This is a rebroadcast of our first episode, which aired in October of 2019. Texas, the Lone Star State, is a big place. In fact, it's the second largest U.S. state behind Alaska, with a whopping 268,000 square miles. From grasslands to forests to rolling prairies and coastlines, it's got it all, and it's big, really big. If you ask native Craig Fluger, a rancher and small-town ambassador in the center of the state, he'll tell you the heart of Texas isn't just a geographic point on the map, but a place named for a special garden, where townsfolk are nostalgic about their past, confident of their future, and where music knits the community threads. But it wasn't always that way. It's called Welcome to Eden, and our story starts here. From the studios of Home Productions, I'm Brooke Bechtold, and this is Impactually. Craig Fluger knows a thing or two about Texas. Born and raised on a ranch in the rural town of Eden, Craig went to college at Texas Tech University in Lubbock. There, he played tennis and studied accounting. After graduation, he abandoned the idea of a desk job, and he returned home to work the land that had been in his family for generations. He and his best friend Brenda, who also happens to be his wife, have been raising livestock in Eden for decades. They ranch cattle, sheep, and goats for the food industry, but not that long ago they were also suppliers of natural fiber, specifically wool and mohair. Mohair is the fleece from Angora goats, a Turkish breed of goats with droopy ears and ringlets of curly, lustrous hair. Just a couple of generations ago, organic fiber production was a booming business in Texas and a mainstay to the livelihoods of ranchers in and around Eden. So we're right at the very northern edge of the Texas Hill Country. It's uh, to the south of us. It's it's rolling hills, limestone outcroppings, lots of live oak trees. To the north of Eden is more open plains and, and farmland. Uh, we live in farm and ranch country. Uh, this area thrived on wool and mohair production uh, during both and after both world wars. Uh, there's still a lot of cattle, sheep, and goats, but it's a fraction of what it once was. Uh, this was the absolute epicenter of fiber production, and there's not as much need for natural fibers now. We're a fairly uh, poor community, uh, uh, not a, not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. It's it's pretty here. It's uh, it's a simple life. The downtown area has a town square with a bank and some stores and most of the buildings were built back in the 20s 30s and 40s and uh, people kind of hang on here is what it amounts to to understand the economics of eden we need to understand a bit about the industry that makes it tick or that used to from about the 1920s through the 1960s mohair a close cousin to cashmere was the thing Women's fashion featured skirts or calf-linked trousers topped with a cropped sweater, while men wore sport coats and cardigans, all made with this luxurious fiber. World War II military uniforms were even fabricated with a blend of mohair and wool, because it's soft, durable, insulating, and hypoallergenic. And it was a big business in Eden, 
But it's not the most economical material for an industry that post-war, and even today, targets the price-conscious consumer. Most clothing you see in retail stores today is made from far less expensive cotton or synthetic materials. Unsurprisingly, over the years as demand for natural fibers waned, so too did the number of Angora goats. Seventy years ago, there were 4.6 million grazing in the fields across Texas. Today, there are just 46,000. And it's not just the goat numbers that are dwindling. The farming community is as well. It's aging out of the workforce. According to the Texas Sheep and Goat Raisers Association, the average age of ranchers in Texas is 60, and the younger generation isn't sticking around to fill the gap. So not only is the profitability of being a fiber rancher substantially lower today than it once was, with a declining workforce and consumer and subsidy supports fading away, sadly, so too are some of these ranches. Adding yet another wrinkle to Eden's economic story is that less than a mile out of town is a federal detention center. It's been the town's largest employer for some time, and it made up 40% of the town's budget. That's a big number. Well, it closed back in April of 2017, leaving a huge hole in the livelihood of this small community. Statistics provided by the Texas State Comptroller's Office cite that for a town the size of Eden, population just 1,200, those jobs lost were the equivalent of 90,000 jobs being lost in a major city like Houston. After decades of economic ups and downs and the viability of their community in jeopardy, Eden's leaders needed to be creative and aim for a boost of positivity. Craig has big ideas for this small town that's a pass-through for travelers heading to cities like San Antonio, Austin, and Amarillo. In 2012, he became coordinator for Eden's Economic Development and the vice president of the Chamber of Commerce. One of his first orders of business was to spearhead a campaign to repurpose some old textile mills into a nonprofit arts venue. Well, that was really led by a group, really led by our city administrator, Selena Hemeter. She was instrumental in saving this group of warehouses from, uh, from destruction. Uh, that group convinced the owner to give the property to the city, so they cleaned it up and shored up some of the freestanding concrete walls and painted the front of the structures like they would have looked in the 40s. Uh, and so now you, we had this shell of empty historic buildings, and what do you do with them? So they formed a, a nonprofit arts guild uh, with a mission of bringing the cultural arts to Eden. I guess the name is a not-too-veiled reference to the Garden of Eden, you know, with the the green apple. And they had a clever idea how to create engagement. So we're we're located right in the geographical center of Texas, intersection of two major U.S. highways. We have one traffic light and about 10,000 vehicles a day pass under that uh, traffic light. In April of 2019, Kalina Mache Johnson, a nationally acclaimed spray can muralist and native small-town Texan herself, was commissioned by the chamber to revitalize the southwest corner of that one traffic light in town. There was a great, uh, a large wall about 30 feet high by 60 feet wide. I thought, well, that's the best wall in town. Well, we got this lady to come down. Her name is Cal Mache Johnson. A really interesting, a beautiful lady with a lot of talent. We had an idea kind of what she was going to do, but we didn't know exactly till it took form. And 
And we watched that happen over about a eight or nine day period. Kalina's design features both the biblical and earthly visions of Eden. It's a mural of a woman sitting in a vibrantly colored garden. She's got a buck to her left and a guitar to her right, and she's surrounded by native flowers, some with the petals dripping as if melting in the hot Texas sun. Her green eyes mirror the signage in the newly formed Green Apple Art Center. We figured it'd stop cars, and and on there it's hashtag Eden Texas, and I suppose people would be stopping and taking pictures, and you wouldn't believe it. It's more than I would have ever thought there. Those cars, those 10,000 cars that drive through here going somewhere, they stop and they take pictures. And hopefully they'll walk around town and maybe maybe stick around and spend some money somewhere. I know that you said that you and Brenda kind of spearheaded the idea of bringing music to Eden. But how did the Green Apple Art Center kind of come to be? Well, so initially they thought they could attract artisans and makers through market you know, art markets on Saturdays. And the problem was that everybody does that in in rural Texas, especially in the Hill Country, never really went over. Selena was looking for ideas. What else can we do artistically? And I said, well, how about live music? For you, I give up all my time Searching for the perfect ride my first show was Slade Cleves, who is initially from Maine, has lived in Austin for 30, 20 or 30 years. He's one of my favorite songwriters in the state. Very, uh, very intelligent, really nice guy, great singer also. I knew he wouldn't have, I knew everybody would like him. That was our first show. He gave us some credibility. Convincing him to come to a show we'd never had in Eden, Texas, which nobody had ever heard of music being in Eden, that, that wasn't that easy. That took a little bit of time, but it kind of gave us instant credibility. And then after that, we had Jimmy LaFave, who's no longer with us, and and, and Walt and Tina Wilkins, who are kind of legends in Texas, songwriters and, and other people like that, uh, to come in here and, and do really uh, either solo or duo acoustic shows. Very bare bones. We were trying, we didn't know how many would come. With the help of sponsorships and private donations, the Green Apple Art Center became a space for visual artists to celebrate, exhibit, and teach their craft. It's also a music gallery, as Craig likes to call it, the first of its kind in Texas. This 175-seat, open-air, patio-style room, equipped with a stage, sound, lights, and comfortable seating, was a former meat locker. There's no roof, just a sun-blocking awning. There are no drinks, it's bring your own, and there's no dance floor, but that's just a technicality. Folks can and do show their enthusiasm at every performance. The price of admission is $25, and for that you get a meal of pork sliders, brisket, or ribs, prepared by an all-volunteer staff, and a live performance by some of the best recording artists in America. Hello everybody, welcome to the Green Apple. Each event is as much a listening experience as it is a social gathering. 
They do 10 shows a year from March through October, and Craig guesses that at any given show, 85% of the audience has never heard of the band he's booked. But that doesn't stop them from coming. They know he's got a good ear, and they trust him. Every show is a sellout. Eden is interesting because Eden sort of sits on the edge of the hill country. This is Michael Marks, both a friend and a fan of Craig's. He's also a journalist for the Texas Standard and KUT, Austin's NPR station. It's positioned uh, right in the heart of Texas, where you are sort of in a transition between these two uh, iconic areas of the state, this sort of arid uh, Western landscape uh, and this, uh, you know, very lush hill country one. Eden was part of this region uh, near San Angelo, which was once, you know, the biggest sheep and goat raising area really in the world. Uh, that's how that's how people made money. That was their livelihood. Uh, and that has pretty much played out. I read a you know, very brief story uh, about in the in the San Angelo Standard Times about the the prison closing down. And I thought there's probably something that could be of interest to our audience uh, about what this means for the future trajectory of this place, because the prison was the principal industry in the town. And. I'm sure this is true across the country as well, but at small places, economies can be very fragile. And so when you remove one building block uh, of an economy, um, like a prison, uh, from which many other things, uh, many other economic activities flow, uh, there can be pretty considerable consequences. While Michael was in Eden, he became intrigued with the Green Apple Art Center. There's not anything quite like the green apple here that it's it's a really unique space you're in this small town um and you're you're in a place that you may not expect to find uh this type of experience uh but also just sort of the uh the communal vibe that exists at these events and in a way that uh you might not find uh at a big place where people are you know fairly anonymous. Cities of Eden size in Texas, um, almost all of them are looking for something. Uh, many of them are, are losing population, uh, losing young people, and have been for quite some time, uh, and are looking for something uh, to stay alive. Uh, and, I, and I know the Green Apple has been a, a boon to Eden in this regard. We'd like to give back to the community. We want to we want to share the cultural arts with the kids from the Eden School. Now, well, really, we 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 really targeted in this case the sixth grade through seniors through through twelve six through twelve because they're on the same in the same building, the same campus. When the Accidentals were here, I thought they were a perfect band to connect to, uh, with those kids. We had 35 
kids signed up to come out there. They came out for sound check, explained what they were doing at sound check. After sound check, they went down, got their acoustic instruments, went down with them unplugged, and and, and it was it was wonderful. And then since since then, we took that bunch to the Performing Arts Center in San Angelo, and they saw a, a production of Stomp. So now we're actually uh, making an impact on our school, I think. So yeah, probably proudest of that anything we've done. If you're lucky enough to catch a show by the young 20-something trio called The Accidentals, you'll know you're part of something special. Savannah Beist, Katie Larson, and Michael Douse make up this truly original collaboration of singer-songwriters from Michigan. On stage, you'll see an astonishing array of instruments, from electric violin, viola, and cello, to multiple guitars, bass, mandolin, and drums. There's no one genre to describe their music except as an eclectic blend of indie folk, rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, and classical, and their sound is attracting attention around the world. Oh, and the band's name? It's a term in classical music theory called the accidental note. That one pitch that steps outside the scale or melody and sings. This is Katie. When we travel, sometimes um, it's the smaller towns that have really um, vibrant music community because it's more than just a concert. Everyone will come together and um, it'll be like a potluck or someone will, will make a big barbecue or get together and have a meal and people are, are reconnecting at these concerts. So love that about what Craig's doing with Green Apple. It, it definitely, you can feel a community coming out of it. This is Sav. We've done a lot of different kinds of workshops. This particular workshop, I think it was more of an, a, a chance for Eden schools to kind of see that music was a viable option as a career. Um, I think that there are some band and orchestra programs out there, but um, one, of the, one of the saddest things I see is that not every school has an equal opportunity for band and orchestra. In fact, our drummer Michael, his school didn't even have an orchestra program. It was just band or nothing. And... Like Katie and I never would have met without our orchestra program, uh, literally. And without the passion that our orchestra teacher had for that program, we wouldn't have been able to explore um, the electric instrument, that side of things. We were able to try those things out. Um, I think she's really um, taught us that, like, you know, these programs are super important. They help um, teach kids how to become more confident. I think that they teach kids how to bond with each other because music is kind of it's unspoken language, and it's what made Katie and I become friends over time. Based in Traverse City, Michigan, these three were named among Yahoo Music's top 10 bands to watch in 2017, and they travel the country by van for months at a time, playing, writing, teaching, and recording. Life on the road is grueling, so when they get to a place like Eden, one that oozes with Southern hospitality and a true appreciation for grassroots music— it feels like home. Returning to the Green Apple stage as often as they can is an honor. It's a great place to give new music some life, to test it out. And including education workshops with the Eden School children is a big bonus. Craig gave us a really 
unique experience uh, from a band perspective because um, we've we worked with students before, but what Craig did was he brought a whole school bus of students um, into the venue during our sound check. I think you know there were at least you know fifty or sixty in the audience. Um, they were just watching us go through our sound check, which we've we've never had an audience for that before. I think it was a really humanizing experience because the the kids and the audience saw us um, like kind of the behind the scenes, behind the curtain of of what goes into making the show and what's not the pretty part. So as soon as the soundtrack was over, we, we just had like a big barbecue with the kids and um, hung out and talked to them. That show at the Green Apple Art Center really sticks out to me. Um, as a, a cool interaction that Craig put together. In Eden, the cultural arts are now at the epicenter for opportunities to rise. Patrons aren't just from the local community anymore. They're driving from cities and towns hours away just to experience the magic at the Green Apple and hopefully spend a little extra money in town while they're at it. With rural communities and small farming towns across America facing economic challenges of maintaining productivity and sustainability, visionaries like Craig are finding ways to strengthen their economies by providing a better quality of life and building on local assets without losing their distinctive rural character. It sounds like their investment is paying off. Our athletic director, a friend of mine here in the high school, and just became the principal. And we just hired two new coaches that both were attracted to Eden. Believe it or not, Eden, Texas, they came from another small town. And he said, I promise you, I, I promise you a lot of it had to do with the green apple and about that mural going up. And it's like they're thinking, wow, things are going on in this town. What's what's up? They want to be a part of it. And that's that's Really, that's kind of very humbling. Did I expect that? No. Really, all we're doing is sharing music, though. It's that simple. You just, you do it, and it's it's fun. It's fun for the town. Because I love you even more than I love Texas. Impactually is created and produced in cooperation with Home Productions. That's H-U-M-M Productions.com. Financial support for the show is provided by JLB Images and listeners like you who support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com forward slash Impactually. We'd like to extend our sincerest thanks to our guests, Craig Pfluger, Michael Marks, Katie Larson, and Savannah Beist. We have links to the Green Apple Art Center, the Texas Standard, and the accidentals in this episode's show notes on our website. A second special thanks to the Accidentals for sharing their song, Bucket Seat, and to Slade Cleaps for his song, I Love You More Than Texas. 
Their websites are also in our show notes, and their music is available on all major streaming platforms. And to learn more about Kalina Mashade Johnson and view her mural portfolio, you can find her at streetartbycal.com. And our team, Christine Murdoch, Senior Producer and Editor, James Nash, Director of Operations, Jack Bechtold, Director of Production, Andy Shoemaker, Sound Engineer, L. Lively of Crooked Tree Creative, Music Curation, Richard Cassis of Spark Inc. for digital artwork, Andrew Sachs for our original music, and I'm Brooke Bechtold, host, executive producer, and creator. Subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. We really appreciate it as it helps others find us too. We'd love to hear from you, so send us an email or find us on social media. Pitch us ideas about people who you think would be great to have on our show. Maybe it's even you. We'll be back soon with another extraordinary episode. Everyone has a story. Share. <laughs>